may be seated. At this time, Miss Holly is going to bring our special. The name of this song is Forever. And in the chorus it says, um, Forever he is glorified. Forever he is lifted high. Forever he is risen. He is alive. And I, that, that says it all. The moon and stars, they wept. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon Him. final breath he gave as heaven looked away the son of God was laid in darkness a battle in the grave the war on death was waged the power of hell forever broken the ground began to shake The stone was rolled away His perfect love could not be overcome Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected King Has rendered you defeated Forever He is glorified to shake the stone was rolled away his perfect love could not be overcome now death where is your sting our resurrected king has rendered you defeated forever he is glorified sing 
Amen. Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Colossians chapter 1. Wasn't that wonderful? Tonight, this evening, at 5 o'clock, Brother Trey will bring the people from Sterlington up here and we will have a service. We will not have uh, BTC. We will meet in here at 5 o'clock and have finger foods afterwards. I encourage you to be here. I encourage you to be a part of this. Uh, 34 years that I've been in church work and I've never been a part of something like what we're going to do tonight. Uh, this is not something that we do very often. You do not want to miss this blessing. It is humbling to think that God has allowed us to play a very small part in a church work that has taken place in another town. They already have five faithful families that are, that are going to this church uh, they're supposed to have visitors this morning. You pray for them. You do not want to miss this evening. Be here tonight for this. But most of all, pray for them as they serve the Lord down there. But I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad to be in the Lord's house. And I know it's the end of spring break. Everybody's tired. Everybody's wore out. Uh, but boy, what an energy that I get when I get to come to the Lord's house. And uh, you, man, Disney World has wore me out. But what a, what a refreshing thing to come, to come to God's house, to be with God's people, to feel the energy that's in this place. I'm glad to know that I serve a risen Savior. And I'm glad to know that He's alive and He's on His throne. And I'm glad to know He's still in the saving business. <clears throat> and I want you to know this morning, if you're here and never been saved, He can save your soul today. And I want to pray, and I pray today that you'll be saved, and I pray the saved will be drawn closer to the Lord. Today is Palm Sunday. It is the day in which we celebrate the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem, His last coming into Jerusalem. And of course, He came with a purpose. He came to die. And as He went into Jerusalem, He had to face the things that were set before Him. But He set His face like a flint. And from the beginning of His ministry, He had His face set on Jerusalem. And He went that last time to die for you and die for me. And I want us to be in remembrance of that today. Because before we can celebrate a risen Savior, we got to celebrate that He died on the cross for us. And may I say that He's the only God that gave His life for His people. He's the only God that gave Himself for His people. Let me say that again. He's the only God that's ever given Himself for His people. He's the only one to ever lay Himself down so that somebody may be saved through Him. Look there in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated in enemies in your mind, be wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of Your Word. Lord, I ask for Your touch at this time. Lord, give me Your grace. Give me Your Spirit. Give me that unction from on high. Lord, help me to preach full of Your Holy Spirit where You got every word, everything that comes from my mouth. Lord, I back myself down and I ask You to take over me at this time. Lord, I pray that I would not be seen, but I pray that the cross of Jesus would be seen today. Lord, I pray that sinners would come to You and be saved. Lord, I pray for us that are saved that we would be rejuvenated in our salvation, that we would be reminded for the price that You paid for us. 
Lord, it's free for us, but it costs you everything. Lord, thank you for what you did for us at Calvary. I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Colossians 1 and 20, he said, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your own and wicked works, in your mind and wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. I want to talk to you about the word reconciliation. And I want to preach to you on this subject, the reconciliation of the cross. The word reconcile means the end of the estrangement caused by the original sin between God and humanity. It says in verse 20 that we have been alienated. In verse 21 that we are enemies from the Lord. Our sins have separated us from God. God is holy. God is perfect. We are sinners and we come short of the glory of God. The very day that I was born in this world, I was set on a path. And that path was to go to that place called hell. Last Sunday we preached on the place called hell. And I want you to know the reason that hell uh, is so important for us to look at is because everybody is on that journey to hell. If something doesn't happen in your life, if something doesn't intervene in your life, you're going to go to that place called hell because God has an issue with you. You're a sinner and you come short of the glory of God. I want you to know your works will never be good enough to impress God. Your merit will never be high enough to satisfy the judgment of God. I want you to know that we have been alienated. And unless something happens but in our life, we are going to go to that place called hell. We have been separated. We have been alienated. May I tell you that God cannot fellowship with sin. God cannot accept our sinful lifestyle. God cannot accept that we're sinners from birth. And that's why that place called hell hath enlarged itself because sinners is, is going every single day to that place called hell. But God doesn't like that. God doesn't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want you to die without Him. I want you to know that He gave His only begotten Son to die on that cross for you so that Jesus may reconcile us. I want you to know there's a problem between us and God. And Jesus came to step in the middle to solve the problem between us and the Lord. Sin has alienated us. Sin has separated us. But Jesus brings us into the fellowship of God. Jesus deals with the sin, the enmity between us and the Lord. And I want you to know if Jesus did not do what He had done, we would be in a mess today. But I want you to know we can talk all about the cross, but one of the greatest things of the cross of Calvary is the work of reconciliation. That that cross brought us into favor with an Almighty God. I'm telling you, you'll never go to heaven on your own. You will only go by way of the cross. You will never go by your church membership. You will only go by way of the cross. You will never go by your religious activity. You will only go by the means of Calvary. If you're going to be reconciled, you must go to Calvary and understand that what Jesus did that day was for the purpose to bring you back into fellowship with God. God's not happy today. God's not satisfied with our life. He's not satisfied with our sin. We need to be reconciled. Bless God, Jesus can reconcile us. Jesus can bring us into the fellowship 
of an Almighty God. I want you to think about Romans 5.10, one of my favorite verses. It said, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. It is the reconciliation of Jesus that brings us back into the favor of an Almighty God. When Jesus died on the cross, He made seven statements. And all these seven statements I love, but there's three that I want to look at this morning. These three statements reveals the work of reconciliation and what Jesus did to reconcile us back into the favor of an Almighty God. If you'll look with me in Luke chapter 23. If you're with me, say Amen. I want you to really pay attention. I'm not going to keep you long. I want to run through these three cries. And then we're going to be done. But I want us to look and be reminded of the work of reconciliation that Jesus did for us at Calvary. Three cries that Jesus cried at Calvary. He cried seven times, but I only want to look at three of those. And number one, I want us to look at the statement of compassion. In Luke 23 and in verse 34. Luke 23... And in verse 34, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted His raiment and cast lots. Number one, we find a statement of compassion. As Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world, He did nothing but love the world. He did nothing but give to the world. He had nothing but have compassion upon the world. He never sinned. He never messed up. He never cussed one person out. He never cut anybody off. He never got angry. I'm telling you, Jesus lived a perfect life. He was the perfect citizen. I'm telling you, if there was anybody that you could love, you could love Jesus. I'm telling you, He loved on everybody He came in contact with. It ripped His soul out to see somebody hurting. It ripped His soul out to see somebody in pain. Jesus did nothing but to bring love and grace and mercy to an evil, wicked world. But for that, He died for the very love that He had for humanity. And the Roman soldiers took Him because they were scared to death of His power and of His authority. They were scared to death that Jesus would become the King of the Jews and that He would overtrump the, the Roman Empire. They said that we got to put Him to death. And I'm telling you that everything and all the hate and all the anger that humanity had on Jesus, they put it out on Him at Calvary. And one of the worst deaths that anybody could die was the death that the Roman crucifixion had at Calvary. The cross was a real thing. About twenty to 30,000 people suffered on the cross. And I'm telling you, the cross was to make somebody suffer. It was to humiliate them. It was to put them in the worst pain. And I dare to say that of all those twenty, thirty thousand, the worst death at Calvary that has ever been died was the death of Jesus Christ. Because they wanted Him to pay. And as they took Him before uh, the, the leaders of the country and they began to question Him, they took Him out and they stripped Him of His garment. And they put a robe on Him and they began to mock Him. And they began to curse Him. And they said, Oh, hell, King of the Jews! And they stripped Him down again. And they beat Him with a cat of nine tails. And they began to, to curse Him and to laugh at Him and mock Him. And, and this is the Son of God, okay? This is the King of glory that humbled Himself to the death of the cross. He became obedient to that death. And there He is, dying a death that was not His to die. 
And I'm telling you, they put the cross on his back and made him drag it all the way to Golgotha. And as they placed him up there and they put the crown of thorns upon his head and they hammered the nails in his hand and the blood began to run down, what an awful death that he died. What a horrible, terrible death that he died. And I'm telling you that that is probably one of the worst deaths that anybody could ever experience, the death that Jesus died. And I'm telling you, if I was the Son of God and I had the power that He had, I would have brought twelve legions of angels down and said, tear up these Roman soldiers. I'm telling you, Jesus didn't have to die, but He laid down His life. I know a lot of people say, well, the Roman soldiers killed Him. No, they didn't. Jesus laid down His life freely. No man took it from Him. He laid down His life. And as He laid on that cross, and one of the most compassionate cries that has ever been cried in all of the universe is when Jesus was dying, a, a death, an innocent man dying for the guilty. And these people are so awful and horrible to Him. One of the things that came to His heart and mind is, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. If I'd have been Jesus, you better be glad I wasn't Jesus. I said, Lord, rain down hell from heaven. I'm telling you, bring hailstones and just destroy them all. But Jesus laid there and He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. One of the most compassionate cries that we find in the Bible is when Jesus is laying there dying the death and He's at the very ones that's killing Him. He says, Father, forgive them. Father, have mercy on them. I'm telling you, if we're going to be reconciled to God, there must be forgiveness of our sins. And Jesus understood that by way of Calvary, that there could be forgiveness of sins. As He died on the cross, He could have said anything. But He said, Father, forgive them. Father, have mercy on them. Oh God, have mercy on them. Forgive them of their sins. Nowhere in the Bible do we find them asking for forgiveness. Nowhere do we see them that they're repentant at this time. Nowhere do we see this until later on. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Man, what a cry. What mercy. What love. What compassion. What grace. That He loved them so much. They had no idea what they're doing and He knew it. And He said, Father, forgive them. Because Jesus knew if He was going to reconcile this evil, wicked world to a holy, righteous God, they were going to need forgiveness. And as He cried on the cross, Father, forgive them, He's telling us you cannot go to God unless you get forgiveness. I'm dying on this cross so that you can be forgiven of your sins. If we're going to go to God and we're going to go to heaven, we must be forgiven of our sins. You cannot go the way you are. I'm telling you, God is not impressed at your works, but He's impressed at the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. He is not impressed with what you've done. Your sin will always put you short of the glory of an Almighty God. And I'm telling you, you need forgiveness of your sins. We must humble ourselves and go before a holy, righteous God and ask for the forgiveness of sins. And this is a pretty picture here. Jesus is not even in heaven yet. And He's already advocating on the case of sinners, saying, Father, forgive them. I'm telling you, if you go in the precious name of Jesus, Jesus will go before the Father, and He'll take your sins before the Father and say, Father, Josh wants forgiveness. 
Josh is, is repenting of his sins. He's asking for forgiveness. He hadn't done anything in his life for you to justify his sins. But God, Father, here's my blood. And you forgive his sins on what I did for him. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be forgiven because of my last name. I'm not going to be forgiven because of how much money I have in my bank account. I will only be forgiven because of the cross of Jesus Christ. You cannot find forgiveness in religion. Forgiveness is in the cross. It is in the cross. What a cry, what a statement of compassion that this dying man said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As Paul is preaching in the book of Acts chapter 13, oh, he's preaching Jesus and Him crucified. And he's talking to these Romans, he's talking to these Jewish people. And he said, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things. I don't know about y'all, but I can say praise God right there. That we are justified from all things from which He could not be justified by the law of Moses. There is nothing in this world that can bring you forgiveness other than the cross of Jesus Christ. You can receive forgiveness through the blood that Jesus shed at Calvary. I want you to look in John chapter 19. If you're with me, say Amen. John 19. John 19. We see another cry, another cry of reconciliation. We've seen the statement of compassion, but now let us look at the statement of connection. If there's ever been a time that Jesus ever connected with us and connected with humanity, it's through this second cry here. He said in verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Jesus said at Calvary, I thirst. This is the Son of the living God that says, I thirst. If you remember, it was Jesus that told the woman at the well, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I should give, him shall never thirst. I'm telling you, Jesus is the living water. But we find Him on the cross of Calvary dying for sinners. And we find Him thirsting. We find the connection of Jesus to the connection of humanity. Never has Jesus been so connected to humanity when He cried that humble cry, I thirst. I thirst. As we go back in our minds to what we talked about last week, everybody look at me. As we talked about the place called hell. As we talked about a man that said, I thirst. Oh, would you sin and just put a drip of water on my tongue? This rich man was in hell. He needed relief from the pain that he was in. Here we find the Son of the living God at Calvary saying, I thirst. Oh, I need relief from what I'm going through. I need to be eased from the pain that I'm going through at this time. I'm telling you, Jesus suffered at Calvary. Jesus suffered at Calvary. And this is how He connected with you. Because everything He took at Calvary, He took for you. And I'll tell you what Jesus took at Calvary. He took hell on the cross. And what He faced on the cross, He faced it so that you will never have to face that for all of eternity. What that rich man went through in hell is what Jesus went through at the cross. The thirst, the pain, the anguish, the no satisfaction, the separation from God. Jesus is fixing to be separated from the Father. For three hours on the cross, He's fixing to be separated. He is going through this 
these hours of darkness so that we may never have to face it ourselves. I want you to know that He is connecting with you more than He's ever connected with you. Because when He went to Calvary, He took your punishment so that you'll never have to take it. And all of the anguish and all the pain that He suffered on Calvary is what you're going to have to suffer in hell if you don't get saved. And everything He took, He took so that we will never have to take it. I'm telling you, He connected with sinners that day when He said, I thirst. He took my hell at Calvary. I'm telling you, I never have to burn because He burned for me at Calvary. I never have to thirst because He thirsted for me at Calvary. I'll never have to be separated from God because He was separated for me. I'm telling you, sinner, today, you don't ever have to go to that place called hell because Jesus took it for you. He is reconciling you. I'm telling you, He didn't ask the Father to look over our sin. He didn't ask the Father to excuse our sin. He said, I'll pay the price. I'll pay the payment so that your sins can be forgiven. Wasn't that awesome? That we can be redeemed and justified. He didn't say, God, turn the other way. He said, I'll take their place. He took our place. And you listen to me and you listen to me good. Nobody has ever taken your place like Jesus has. We give our life to everybody in this world. We give ourselves to stuff and to hobbies and all of this junk and garbage the world has to offer. But there ain't but one of them that's ever given Himself for us. And it's Jesus Christ. He gave Himself for us so that we'll never have to be separated. I want you to look in verse 30. I want you to look at the statement of completion. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished. Y'all can amen that. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. The Greek word, it is finished. Is telesta. It is completed. And the Greek in this simply means a once and for all. Never having to do anything else. It is once and for all completed, and there's nothing else we have to do to get it done anymore, because you can't do any more than what Jesus has already done for you. And I'm telling you, when Jesus died on the cross, He said, It is finished. What is He saying, preacher? He said His work on this earth was finished. God sent Him for a mission. He completed every jot and tittle that God sent Him to do. I'm telling you, if there's anybody that ever satisfied God, it was Jesus Christ. And He did the work the Father sent Him to do. And when He got on Calvary, He cried, It is finished. I've done all that the Father told me to do. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad He was obedient to the Father. And He said, it's finished, Father. I did. I came and I done what You called me to do. Oh, aren't you glad that He finished the work the Father sent Him to do? Aren't you glad that He had a plan and He fulfilled every jot and tittle of it? Not only was His work on earth finished, but atonement and reconciliation was finished. Nothing else would ever have to be done anymore for us to be forgiven of our sins. I want all eyes up here. You look at me and you look at me good. You look me dead in the eyes and I'm going to tell you something. There's no preacher that can save your soul. There's not a church in this world that can save your soul. 
There's not anybody in this world that's religious enough to bring you the redemption of your sins. You listen to this preacher and you listen good. There's only one that can save your soul, and it's Jesus Christ. He did the work and He cried, It is finished. There's nothing else that needs to be done. You say, Preacher, I'm lost, dying, and going to hell. There's something else needs to be done. The only thing that needs to be done is you need to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. The work for redemption is done. The work of reconciliation is done. I hear people all the time, well, I'm working my way to heaven. No, you're not. You're working your way to hell. Jesus did the work for you to go to heaven. There's nothing left to do but receive Him. Do you hear me, folks? There's nothing left to do but receive Him. And I want you to know, He finished the work the Father sent Him to do. He finished the atonement and reconciliation. And bless God, He satisfied the wrath of an Almighty God. Isaiah 53 and verse 10, if you'll turn there. Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For He shall bear their iniquities. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to worry anymore because Jesus has paid the price. You don't have to fret at night. Have I done enough? Have I done enough? Nine times out of ten when I witness to somebody, I say, if you died right now, where are you going? Heaven, I hope. Heaven, I hope. Oh, I hope I get to go to heaven. Man, I love when I hear somebody say, Heaven, I know. I'm going to heaven, preacher. If you died right now, where are you going? Heaven, I know. Or heaven, I hope. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I can say heaven, I know. I know that I know because it's finished. The price has been paid. And all that is left for us to do is receive what Jesus did for you. You can receive it or you can deny it. You say, well, I'm going to put it off, I'm going to wait. That means you're denying what Jesus did for you. Would you be saved today? Would you receive the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross? Jesus did everything necessary for you to have the forgiveness of your sins. You must humble yourself and say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. Father, forgive me. I'll never forget as a 13-year-old boy, Brother Carl, I didn't know the prayer to say. I didn't know what to do. But I knew I was a sinner dying and going to hell. And just as humble and as open as I've ever been, I fell on my face. And I said, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I come short of Your glory. Would You save me? Would You save me? You don't have to have the right words, but you've got to have the right heart. And that day, sitting at the bedside of my parents, as a 13-year-old boy in West Monroe, Louisiana, I found reconciliation. And there was all between me and God, but I found Jesus that day. And Jesus took my life, and He reconciled me and God. And all the enmity, and all the sin, and everything that I had going on between me and God was cleared and finished. 
And Jesus cast it in the sea of forgetfulness. And I got redeemed. I got born again. I got saved. I got set free from my sins. No longer to walk in this whole world like that anymore. Because I've been redeemed. I've been purchased. I've been bought. Oh, I've been bought with a price. Oh, preacher, it's free. Yeah, it was free for us. But not for Him. It cost God everything for your soul. But that's how much God loves you. That's how much He loves you. That He gave His Son willingly to go to the cross and to die for you. Lost person, you ought to be saved. That ought to rip your heart out to say, I can't go to hell knowing what God did for me. You know why I can't go to hell? Because God did everything to make it possible for me to go to heaven. How dare me to say no to Him? What a loving God. But you have that choice. You have that choice. Oh, Oprah once said, if God is as, uh, as sovereign as He is, why doesn't He just make us? That's not a loving God. That's a dictator. God is loving and He gives you that choice. Whether to receive Him or deny Him. And you've got that choice to make this morning. Would you choose Jesus? Would you come down this aisle and let me show you how to be saved? Child of God, this ought to rip your heart out this morning. This ought to rejuvenate your salvation. I'm telling you, if the cross doesn't convict your heart, something's wrong with you. When you get reminded about what Jesus did for you, it ought to woo your soul. It ought to make you fall back in love with Jesus. Aren't you glad for what He did for you?